0: July 1937, the world's most famous woman pilot disappears during her attempt to circumnavigate the globe. In 1988, the International Group for Historic Aircraft Recovery, a small nonprofit known by its acronym, TIGER, began a science-based investigation of the Earhart disappearance. Decades of forensic research and a dozen South Pacific expeditions have now produced hard evidence from multiple disciplines to provide the long-sought answer to the riddle. In this series of conversations with Jones Sachs, Tiger Executive Director Rick Gillespie takes us step-by-step through the adventures, the setbacks, and the discoveries that uncover the evidence that has solved aviation history's greatest mystery.
1: Hi, I'm Joan Sachs. Like many of you, I've read newspaper and magazine articles, and I've watched television documentaries about Tiger's adventures and discoveries. As a member of Tiger, I've participated in research, and I know there is so much more to the story that has never been told. I've known Rick Gillespie and his wife, Tiger co founder Pat Thrasher, for many years. So when Rick asked me to help him bring the -the behind-the-scenes story of Tiger's Earhart expeditions to the public in a series of podcast episodes, I enthusiastically agreed. Over the years, there have been 12 Tiger expeditions to the South Pacific, and we've organized the podcast into seasons. To follow the progress of the investigation, you'll want to listen to the episodes and seasons in order. For newcomers, we make it easy to catch up with the story so far by publishing a compilation at the end of each season. Now, let's get to the next episode. Hi, Rick. So you returned from the 2007 expedition with a number of small artifacts excavated at the Seven Site. You thought they might be connected to the castaway whose skeleton was found there in 1940. Ah, but first, the last time you promised us a couple of songs from the collection of parodies created by the expedition members.
2: (laughs) Okay, all right. Fair enough.
1: I told you I wouldn't forget.
2: I know. We'll, we'll We'll do it. Actually, you know, these songs were really an important part of the expeditions. It was a way to express frustration, ease tensions, and remind us that We should take the work seriously, but never ourselves. (laughs) So um, we'll we'll do a... I'll do a couple of them. I I wrote this first one very early in the project. And, you know, it has gotten only more appropriate with age. (laughs) About (laughs) 30 years later. It's called The Earhart Song. And I have to make apologies to the United States Air Force (laughs) because we stole their tune. Uh. Off we go seeking Amelia heart come along it'll be fun <laughs> waste your days listening to lies from old farts sail away <laughs> die in the sun down we dive searching the reef for plain parts up with none hell of a bore We'll blame Japan. She's on Saipan. Or maybe that's her now at the front door. <laughs> oh, that's
1: uh, that was clever. Always fun.
2: <laughs> now, this one was written by our archaeologist Gary Quig during the 1997 expedition. Ah. I-, I need to explain that in-, in planning the work for that trip, Gary had suggested we bring a rake to clear away surface material before metal detecting.
1: Right, makes sense. I
2: vetoed the idea. I said, no, it's, there's going to be too great a risk of r- raking away small artifacts. And, oh, okay, you know.
1: And had Gary been there before? Oh, Gary
2: had been there before, and this was something, yeah, and he you is, know.
1: Like he's, uh, we, he is an archaeologist. He is an
2: archaeologist, but I'm the expedition <laughs> leader, you know.
1: So no rakes. So...
2: So he said, okay, fine. Well, as it turned out, I was wrong, as I often am. A rake would have been the perfect tool for gently clearing the surface. So Gary presented his composition after one of our team meetings aboard the ship uh, after a hard day on the island. And I was thoroughly chastened. And of course the whole team gleefully joined in in the whistling part, which you will soon understand. as i crawl around the island it's not that i'm not smiling i've come to love the pain (laughs) but i can't help but wonder of the things we've strewn asunder why we didn't bring a rake i spend hours on my knees a picking at the leaves i think there's some mistake When I find I'm a dreamin' of a tool with tines a gleamin', how I wish I had a rake Seems to me that logically a rake would do some good Yes, I really, really, really think it would, for I could rake, then take a break. No, it's not that I'm complaining, although my joints are paining, my back about to break. <laughs> I just can't help my thinking as I'm working and a-stinking, how I wish I had a rake. <laughs> that is genius, oh, you know? That's so fun. <laughs> the guy has missed his calling.
1: Seriously. So, uh, anyway, that's where we are. And he's still going on expeditions with you, Oh, yeah, no, Gary,
2: yeah. Gary is, uh... Uh, a force of nature, <laughs> a, a tiger. You know, he's he's great. Uh, so, uh, well, well, back to work here.
1: Yes. So, can you remind us of the uh, artifacts that you brought back from the two thousand seven yeah, trip? Yeah,
2: yeah. So, we had a button. Actually, mm-hmm. we had several buttons, a zipper, a, a and zipper a pull, snap. Right. And we wondered, you know, are they all that's left of like a pair of pants or something? We had two pieces of what was once a s- small rectangle of very thin glass with beveled edges. And we thought, oh, might this be a woman's compact mirror? Hmm. We had a, a a piece of a broken pocket knife. It was just a small piece. And we wondered, okay, so what's this doing here? Was this a castaway's tool for prying open clams or something we uh, were speculating so you
1: about had a it. piece of the blade or no the, no it was it handle. was
2: a piece of the the the, the side of a, a pocket knife oh, okay then we had the bottom of a small broken bottle we wondered if there was anything we could learn about that bottle because it was small hmm. and it had markings embossed on the bottom so we thought we might be able to to learn more about oh, interesting. that. Interesting. So we had broken bottles found among charcoal, animal bones. We had a length of heavy wire twisted as if it was used to hold something. And the bottom of one of the bottles we'd found was melted. The
1: gla- a glass glass was melted? Yeah. Huh.
2: Yeah, but the, the the top part of the bottle was not Damaged by heat, so it looked like it had been standing up in the fire. Um, So maybe somebody used that wire to hold a bottle upright. Maybe they're boiling water over a fire. Interesting. So we lots of questions.
1: Well, what about the zipper? You said it actually had a manufacturer's name, Talon, which is a current.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it, it said Talon on the zipper pull. Well, it didn't take us long to find out that Talon Incorporated. Uh, was based in Meadville, Pennsylvania. Today they're Talon International and they're based in California and, of course, China. Mm. And we needed historical information about the products Talon put out, see if we could maybe date this particular zipper. Right. But as usual, the modern company was no help in that. Modern companies don't, yeah, that's, keep great archives of all history. especially
1: ones that have changed hands. Yeah,
2: but through the Crawford Counter Historical Society in Meadville, Pennsylvania, oh, where they used to be based, right? We were able to connect with a former talent sales executive. Oh, my, who had sort of assumed the role of the unofficial company historian. Oh, how lucky. He had all kinds of old examples of zippers and and catalogs and and that sort of thing. And he was eager to help us, of course. And he identified our artifact as a brass size 6 auto lock zipper with a a pull of a style that was never used by the military. So that was important to them. And he was also, he also educated us on the fascinating history of zippers. (laughs) We get to learn about all kinds of cool stuff that have nothing to do with, you would think, Amelia Earhart or Pacific (laughs) Islands. Okay. Various versions of zippers have been around since 1851, and they were always known as hookless fasteners. Hmm. And this goes back to the days of high button shoes, and you had button hooks to Right. Well, these were ways that you didn't have to go through all that with a button hook to button up your shoes. They they were used primarily on footwear and tobacco pouches. Ah. Oh. The term zipper dates to nineteen twenty three, when B. F. Goodrich trademarked the name for the closure on their new line of rubber galoshes.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: And the name caught on because it's kind of a cool, ha- sure. uh, simple name. Yep. And Goodrich eventually gave up trying to enforce the trademark, it's kind <laughs> of like Kleenex. you
1: know. Right, so. yeah.
2: The first hookless fasteners, uh, zippers for clothing, appeared on leather jackets in 1925.
1: Mm, that's a natural progression from yeah.
2: shoes. In the 1930s, zipper manufacturers were keen to convince men's Trouser makers Ah. to replace the traditional buttons on the front of trousers with a zipper fly. Hmm. But it was a tough sell. Retooling by the manufacturers was expensive. And the early zippers had a tendency to creep down. Right, so not a good selling point. Men were not happy about that. And so in 1933, Talon patented the auto lock design, little lock, so your zipper's not gonna fall out. No more danger of public embarrassment. Huge ad campaign for that.
1: Uh.
2: Well, we have an auto lock zipper. So that put a not earlier than date of 1933 on our zipper, because that was when it was patented. Talon won the, the battle of the fly, as it was <laughs> called back then. In 1937, when French fashion designers raved about the new design, the auto lock, and, and Esquire magazine called Zippered Trousers the newest tailoring idea for men. A <laughs> huge endorsement. So um, sales took off, and suddenly Talon had an international market. And in 1938, they began to export the the zippers, and they began stamping USA on the back of the slider. Ah. Now our slider is blank. So. That was so interesting. We that you have had... a not later than date of 1938. Wow. Our artifact is a civilian zipper manufactured sometime between 1933 and 1938. And wow. it's perfect for it being associated with our Sure
1: sure and you have pictures of her clothing sure
2: oh yeah yeah she had lots and lots of pictures so we we have a very good handle on what clothes she had with her yeah uh, on on her on her world flight Uh, but we also of course you have to ask yourself what are the alternative ways a zipper like that could end up where we found it right you have to look for other hypotheses now the Gilbertese settlers on the island didn't wear clothing with zippers. We knew that. The British administrators undoubtedly had some clothes that might have zippers on them, but they shouldn't have a pre-export American zipper. Right. The only Americans to visit the site before us were the Coasties, the Coast Guardsmen for the Laurent station. Hmm. But this was not a military zipper. So that's
1: a lot of eliminations. A lot
2: of things can be eliminated. Yeah. Now, did Amelia have a zipper like this one? Well, like we said, we do have good photos of what she had with her. Some of her slacks had side zippers. But a size 06 is too big to be on slacks. Hmm. In the inventory of her aircraft made by the Army after the accident in Hawaii, there's a waterproof zipper bag containing her emergency food rations. Okay. Hmm. How big was the bag? We have no idea. Uh, Our zipper is the right size for a jacket. She had a leather jacket with her. Hmm. The leather jacket she wore on her first world flight attempt had a bell-shaped zipper pull, not like ours. Oh,
1: huh.
2: Um, But a photo taken in Darwin, Australia during her second attempt shows her with what looks like the same jacket, but the pole now looks to be rectangular in shape, like oh, ours. Interesting. It doesn't hmm. prove anything, but it's another one of these interesting coincidences. That yeah. Okay, so we've got a zipper of the right vintage that uh, is appropriate for a jacket, and she's got a jacket that looks like it has a rectangular zipper pole.
1: Oh, interesting. Oh, um, well,
2: what about the button and the snap? Oh, they're too too generic to to pin down. Yeah, uh, she, she had clothing that had buttons, and she yeah. had clothing that had snaps.
1: The snap didn't have any names. No,
2: they're, they're, they're small, they're generic. It's uh, not much you can do with it. Hmm. Um, we have actually four buttons from the site. Uh, they're all different. None of them's military. Galher, the British colonial officer, undoubtedly had buttons on his clothes. And maybe some of the settlers also had buttons on clothes. Oh, but, right.
1: Sure. Yeah,
2: yeah. There's just not much you can do with any of that.
1: And it's not something that was easy to date yeah. in any way. I guess they've been the same for a long time. Hmm. So were you able to identify the pieces of glass as a compact mirror? Well,
2: Yeah yeah really uh we were pretty sure we had a compact because wafers of reddish orange stuff was found nearby that tested out to be early 20th century cosmetic oh uh, makeup huh the these two pieces of glass were of identical thickness and again they were found on separate expeditions Hmm. Uh, we found one in 2001 we found another one in 2007 but they were of identical thickness And they fit together just like a jigsaw puzzle. Hmm. We didn't have all of the original piece of glass, but we had enough to determine that it had been a square, Ah. about two and three quarters inches on each side, with a very distinctive 16th inch beveled edge all the way around. Hmm. Now, that turns out to be an exact match to a 1930s vintage compact made by Fifth Avenue of New York.
1: Now, how did you figure that out?
2: Well, I didn't. <laughs> one of our researchers haunted eBay oh. until she <laughs> found one that matched. I mean, it was, every day she'd go to eBay and you got any old compacts for sale. <laughs> sometimes she'd buy them and sometimes she'd just look at the pictures. Oh, that's not right. And she finally found one that's perfect. It, it's like police work. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Sometimes you just have to wade through tons of data to find the clues you're looking for. Mm. Of course, we can't be sure the compact was Amelia's, but like the part of a woman's shoe that Gallagher found with a skeleton, it's a gender-specific artifact. Yes, and um, you
1: wouldn't imagine that the people living there would have compacts. Well, no,
2: Gilbert Key's women Especially. did not go around with compacts. And the only European woman known to have ever been on the island was the wife of a British district officer who was there for a couple months in 1949. Now she could conceivably have had an American compact and managed to somehow lose it at this remote site back in the bush on the other end of the island from (laughs) where she was living. That seems unlikely, (laughs) okay? So Uh you, you just have to take all that into consideration.
1: Well, so um, the part of the broken pocket knife, what, what, what about that? Well, Were you able to identify that?
2: Something this project has taught me is that for every kind of object you can imagine, no matter how obscure, there's a person or usually a whole group of people who are obsessed with collecting and studying.
1: <laughs> you just have to I find mean, them. You can
2: talk about uh, cigarette lighters, <laughs> or, uh, on and on and on, buttons mm. even. It took no time at all for us to identify our artifact with the help of a pocket knife collection oh. society yeah. <laughs> that yeah. we had part of. Uh, I mean, thank it,
1: God for the internet now.
2: Oh, God. The internet, yeah. I mean, jeez, really? yes. The difference
1: that made in your um, uh, collections. But
2: re- we were doing this in the very earliest days of the internet. Mm. So, but it was still working. There, were, there was no such thing as social media yet. But, but we,
1: eBay is a, that's yeah a great eBay and, and we
2: could connect with with people through email and so forth. Mm. Okay, so we quickly learned that w- what we had was part of an easy open. This is the kind of quotation right easy open part of the brand uh-huh. double bladed bone handled jackknife. Now a jackknife is a folding knife where both blades are hinged at the same end. Okay. Okay, that's uh, that's right. what makes it a jackknife. Okay. Uh, something like a Swiss Army knife that might have a blades, blades from both at various, ends. that's not a jackknife. Okay. okay. So we had a, a bone-handled jackknife manufactured by the Imperial Cutlery Company of Providence, Rhode Island, sometime between 1930 and 1945. They oh. made that. Knife for quite a while. Hmm. Interestingly, there was a bone-handled double-bladed jackknife inventory to board Earhart's aircraft after the accident in Hawaii.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool.
0: Yeah.
2: But it's, it's not a, a smoking knife. <laughs> it's not that. a smoking gun. It could hmm. also be part of a knife lost by a Coast Guardsman. They, they, they might have had one of these knives. Yeah. But then you have to ask: well, how did it get broken? And where's the rest of the knife? Yeah, There's just a piece of, that came off the knife? Oh. Or is the rest of the knife there somewhere? So it was it, a
1: piece of the bone handle? Is that what you found? Oh. Uh, it had some metal attached
2: to the. Okay, so you've got the blade in the in the, in the the interior. And then along each side of the blades, you've got a metal part. And then attached to the metal part is uh, like a, bone a veneer of bone. Yeah. The, the The whole sides is not made made of bone the 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 bone is just put on the outside right Well so we that... didn't have the bone oh we had the 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 piece of the side, but it also had the like the cap on the end of that piece. it's called a bolster
1: so you knew where the bone would fit and, on it oh yeah, I yeah mean, somebody this who this whole thing and...
2: was a very specific design of uh, the shape and and bolster that the the knife experts were absolutely so oh yeah. And wow. as a matter of fact, sent me, they they were eager to help. They they sent me a couple examples of this is what the whole knife looked like. Wow. And, and it, you could hold it up. Oh, yeah, it's same, same. It's, huh. it's the same thing. Oh, that's fascinating. So uh, that was good. Yeah. But it gave us, think got, got us thinking, well, okay, uh, where's the rest of the knife? It, it yeah. ought to be there someplace.
1: Yes, and yeah. and it's, you didn't find it. Didn't find the rest of the night. No, no. Huh. Which would be okay. Really so what about the um, broken bottom of a small bottle?
2: Yeah, you wouldn't think there'd be much you can do with uh, just a small, you know, broken bottle bottom. But it did have these markings embossed on the bottom of it.
0: Hmm.
2: Um, we we figured this thing was probably another victim of Coast Guard target practice because all, all we found was the, the shattered bottom. Ah. And the other parts were and maybe they just were
1: really good. Blasted <laughs> away. And
2: of course you don't know how close they were, to out. Right. Uh, but this thing had been hit hard. But we did have these encoded markings embossed into the bottom. So it's time to seek out the bottle experts. You know? oh. And as it turns out, old bottles are a well developed field of archaeological study. I mean, oh wow. It's there's all kinds of Uh, expertise available there the markings on our artifact tell us it was a design patented by owens illinois manufactured at their plant number 14 in bridgeton new jersey wow 1933 (laughs) it's dated they could
1: tell all of that from the yeah it's
2: it's coding on the bottom exactly what this thing was and when it was made and where
1: and it was actually embossed. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
2: it's molded into the glass. Wow. And just look out many, many bottles, turn them over and you'll see that. Hmm. Now that style of bottle was used for several products by various companies, hmm. but there seemed to be a dried remnant of the original contents of the bottle on one of the interior Corners of the bottom.
1: Wow! What could you discover from that?
2: Well, we wondered, you know. Yeah. Right? So we sent it to um, people who analyze things like that. Wow! Laboratories, and they took a scraping of this material and analyzed it, told us what it was made up of, and we matched that profile of chemicals hmm. against other products. Uh, I guess various products that were marketed in that kind of bottle, we we were able. So, is
1: there a database for that?
2: No database. You 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 just have to do the research. You look through old advertisements. Oh, and you and you see pictures. Of, okay, that's that's the same kind of bottle. What are, and then you and tried, they
1: couldn't. They knew what size the whole bottle was based it, it, on it just the It was a bottle. three ounce bottle. Okay, you could, you yeah, could So that. they could tell what the shape was and, and everything.
2: oh yeah, we we knew exactly what this thing was. It turned out that the profile of materials matched uh, a popular American 1930s skin softener called Campana's Italian Balm, made in Batavia, Illinois. (laughs) Really? Yeah, and we we found a bottle of it on eBay. Wow. Yeah. And so yeah. we that's how you do the comparison. You, yeah, you find sure. an example of this. That's how you identify an artifact. You take the unknown <laughs> and you compare it to the known. And if they match, that's what you, you identify the yeah, artifact. Yeah, really. So, um, and it's a three ounce travel size bottle of women's hand lotion. Hmm. Okay. What's it doing at the seventh site? Gilberty's laborers didn't use skin softener.
1: <laughs> Especially ones that came from yeah.
2: uh, Illinois. <laughs> right. Now, of course, you have to consider the Coast Guardsman, who might have been the same guy that used the skin softener, might have been the might guy. that had might, those had, shoes. <laughs> had the shoes and the compact. But, you know, we're, we're speculating there. Yeah. No, it's not likely. <laughs> so by July 2009, you know, we get back, we Take a couple of years, uh, piecing all this together because it doesn't happen overnight.
1: Yeah.
2: But by July of 2009, our research had confirmed that the artifacts we found at the Seven Site during the 2007 trip mm. were evidence of the presence of an American woman of the 1930s. Yeah. Okay, that's yep. pretty good. Huh. Uh, we were finally looking in the right place, and there was. Almost certainly more to find. Hey, how about the rest of that knife, you know, for example. Yeah. And there might even be human bones that had not been found in 1940.
0: Hmm.
2: You know, it, it felt like we were on a roll. Yeah. And suddenly things are starting to come together. And so we were eager to get back out there and see what more we could find. Yes, I bet. We wanted the next expedition, which we planned for the very next summer, a year from now. July of 2010, we wanted that to the biggest and best equipped yet. Ah. Of course, that means more money. And rakes. And, rakes. Rakes. You <laughs> bring, bring some, we'll, we'll bring some rakes. <laughs> uh-huh. But, uh, yeah. Uh, oh, so. and, and we wanted more technology that uh, would would help us find more. But let's make that the subject of season eight.
1: Ah. the
0: Earhart Expeditions.
1: Okay, sounds fun. We'll do that. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening. The Earhart Expeditions is a serial history of Tiger's 12 expeditions to the South Pacific. We release a new episode each Tuesday. You can receive special bonus episodes and get access to Tiger's extensive video library by becoming a premium subscriber. Just go to Patreon, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n and search on Tiger, t-i-g-h-a-r. You can also be a part of the adventure and participate in research. Go to tiger.org and click on Join Tiger. See you next Tuesday.